In the world of math, there are a lot of different types. Like there is geometry, there's algebra, there's trigonometry, but there's also something called girl math. Now, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't been on TikTok, first of all, good for you. Second of all, let me describe what girl math is. So it's basically a term where women use mathematical reasoning and sometimes, no, I'm going to say all the time. Well, to men, it seems illogical. Girl math is a term that's used to describe mathematical reasoning. And it's rather an internal reasoning that women use to justify their spending habits and sometimes unnecessary purchases, sometimes. Before I start this episode, I wanted to confirm to you that I am terrible at maths. Like I am so bad at maths. And I think it's because I hate maths. And in school, I love subjects where it was mainly writing and reading. Maybe it was something in arts because it was a bit creative. Anything to avoid maths. I wasn't good at reading. I hated reading. In fact, I'm trying to be on my book girly type journey. And I think that's an episode for another day. But I hate maths. And maths doesn't like me back. But I am so good at girl maths. It's bad. And it hurts my bank account. And that's why in today's episode, I want to unpack the hype around girl maths. Why it's good. Why it's bad. And why it can be problematic. To give you an idea of what girl maths is, here are a couple examples. So number one, if you overspend today, you can make up for it by not spending anything tomorrow. So let me give you an example. Oh my God, this actually happened to me yesterday. So yesterday, so it's currently the long weekend and it's a Monday, it's a public holiday. But yesterday I went out to lunch with some of my girlfriends and it's in the city. It takes me a bus ride and a train ride to get to the city. Altogether, it's about $7 if that. I was running late, so I was like, okay, I'll get an Uber to the station, take the train in. The Uber to the station was about $16, plus probably another $5 or so. So about 20 bucks, right? The Uber takes too long to get to me. So then I was like, okay, I'll just change the location on the app and I'll set it directly to the restaurant. So the amount changes from, I don't know, $7 to a bit over $20 to now it's $44 to get to the city. Not too bad considering my other friend lives in like North Sydney, not too far away, $31. But yesterday it is so hot. We go to a fancy restaurant and I didn't remember how fancy it exactly was because it's been almost a year since I've been there. We take the set menu. I think it's good value for money because you've got like, I don't know, six dishes, a couple of cocktails. But this restaurant is half inside, half outside. It is 37 degrees yesterday. It is so hot. I started to feel sick because I was a little bit tipsy, dehydrated from the cocktails. There was no air con because it's half inside, half outside. The breeze outside is so hot, despite the fact I'm on Darling Harbour. So... Me and the girls decide, okay, we're taking an Uber home, which I, I'm very upset by because I wanted to go out to the city and and I wanted to do some shopping. But I was like, this is not possible. I'm literally going to pass out. I'm going to take an Uber home. About $60. So I've spent over $100 just on Ubers and over $100 for food and drinks yesterday. Today, I go out to brunch and I'm thinking I need to buy some work clothes for summer because I don't really have anything. 
I'm going around the shops. I couldn't find anything, but deep down, I just felt so guilty because I spent $100 or over $100 on Ubers yesterday. So I'm thinking, okay, if I don't spend anything today, I won't feel that bad about myself. So in my head, I've made up for not spending that much because I've spent it all yesterday. Girl math. Example number two, buying tickets in advance for events makes the event free the day of. If you are lucky like me, or you're just lucky to have a friend who was very lucky, you were able to get tickets to Taylor Swift. Now, I think the really expensive tickets were like two grand. In my head the day of, I was like, I don't know if I can justify $2,000 or whatever it was for like the bloody nose seat tickets at the front. She was performing for three hours. Divided by three is $666.66. I'll divide it by one more. Does that work? Oh, $2,000. Divided by three hours, right? Because T-Swizzle is performing for three hours. But Sabrina Carpenter is also going to be the headlining. Is it headlining or she's opening the show? That's about an hour, um, which is nonsense. It should be a lot longer. If you get that phrase, then you understand because you're a real Sabrina Carpenter fan. What's her group name? I don't know. Anyway, so let's divide that by four. Divided by four is about $500 per hour. I unfortunately did not get the Bloody Nose concert tickets. I think I got B Reserve. I think that was about, I don't know. How much was those tickets? Let me check. I think I ended up getting B Reserve. Oh, I got A Reserve. $379, which is a lot cheaper than what we were anticipating to spend. So if I go 379 divided by four, because it's probably about four hours, $94.75 per hour. Bargain. What a bargain. I saved over, what's that? 2000 minus 379 $1,621. What a bargain. I don't, I'm like on the side, so I'm not like dead on in front of her, but it's fine because I know she's walking up and along the stage. I also got tickets to get this, the Jonas Brothers. I'm a little bit upset because like Joe Jonas and the whole Sophie Turner thing, I'm not a fan. I'm actually very disappointed in Joe Jonas right now. Um, and I also got tickets to the weekend. And when I say I to all these things, my friend actually got them for me because they were able to get through the ticket lounge and ticket tech. It's very upsetting. Any tickets literally in Australia, it's so difficult to buy. So you'd need to make as many friends as possible. I think that's my tip for this episode if you're trying to get tickets and you can't you need to get you need to make friends with girls that can because i think i'm suffering from unlucky girl syndrome it's not working out anyway segue because i've spent that ahead of time when did i buy tickets i don't know a few months ago in february next year i will not be i'll actually be saving money i'm not actually spending on that day i'll be like i'm not actually spending anything because I've already spent the tickets in advance. I've already paid for the tickets in advance. I feel like all the girlies get that. That's a very like obvious one. I don't have to explain it to you. You girls are very smart. There's so many of them. Let's just run through them. Number three, if you talk yourself out of making a big purchase, you've actually made money. Number four, if you pay for something with cash, it's actually free. If your plans get canceled, you've actually made money, blah, blah, blah. I actually wanted to do a real life in real time, girl math, I don't know, working out with you. I have been eyeing off these 
What is it called? The Apple AirPods Max headphones. They're the big giant ones that go over your ears. I've had the like AirPods before, noise cancelling as well, but they just, the right side of the AirPods just stopped working and it was no bueno, you know what I mean? I couldn't use them. I didn't realize how much I really use headphones commuting to and from work. I like listening to podcasts. I like listening to music to and from. Sometimes I watch videos, sometimes I watch movies, whatever. You use headphones all the time. The headphones I'm currently using are like the Bose noise cancelling headphones. Amazing. I think they're only like $400. I've had them for about four or five years. They've lasted me forever. And I've really talked myself out of buying these AirPod Maxes because I was like, wow, every week that I don't buy them, I'm actually saving myself $1,000. Until Friday, the Friday that just went, one of my colleagues came into the office and he's, he saw he sees me with his headphones and he's like, wow, what are those headphones? I didn't want him to see them up close because on the inside of the headphones where it's all that foamy bit that makes it all soft around your ears, it's actually wearing out on my headphones and the stitching's coming undone. So it's like not really cute. You can see my makeup all over it. It's not a vibe. I can actually fix these by just buying like a new insert thing on my headphones. But I don't because I was like, I need to figure out a way where I can justify buying these new headphones. Now, when he looks at my headphones, I'm like so embarrassed. I push it away. You can't see it. I don't want you to see all the like makeup I have all over my headphones. And I am still, it's been like what, four days. I'm still mortified. I think I've actually talked myself into buying these new headphones. Now, in my head, I thought these guys were $1,000. But I'm looking on the website right now. It is $899. Right there, I've saved over $100 off the bat. I don't feel as bad about the purchase because I thought it was a, I thought it was like $1,000 a grand. And it's not as expensive as I thought. I mean, it's still like friggin' expensive because it's like more than double what I paid for my last set of headphones, but they lasted me four years. Okay, so if we do this girl math together, now I commute to and from work. I work in the city. It takes me about an hour to get there. If I forget my headphones one day, like going to the city or coming back from work, I am devastated. Like it makes my trip. Sometimes when I work and I can't get into the zone, I use my, I put, I put on my headphones. It's noise canceling. When people walk past me, they don't try to bother me because they're like, oh, she's deep in work. She's in her workflow. You know what I mean? So that is why I need headphones. I also use headphones for editing this podcast. When I edit videos, when I do literally anything, basically. So I use my headphones quite a lot. But if we just limited it to traveling to and from work, that's about two hours a day because it takes me an hour to get to work. It takes me an hour back from work. So two hours times five days a week because I do it every single day. I don't really work from home. And let's just say 50 weeks a year because maybe I'll have two weeks of annual leave. That is, oh, let's do the math. So two times... So two hours times five days plus, oh, sorry, times, I told you I'm bad at maths, times 50 equals 500. So that's 500 hours. And let's do 899 divided by 
500 equals 179.80. So if we round that up, that's $1.80 per hour. And that's only for one year. My last, well, my current set of headphones have lasted me about four years. So let's do that math. So 180 divided by four is 45 cents. That is 45 cents per hour for my headphones. That's basically free. So that's me justifying why I can buy my new headphones. I can get rid of my old ones. So there it is, girl maths. So as you can see from the few examples that we've mentioned, there are a few different combinations or three economic principles, if you will, of girl maths. The first one is cost per wear, which is what we used for the headphone scenario. The cost of an item divided by how often it's used and the lower the cost per wear, the thrifty the purchase. I mean, we're just out here being thrifty girls. So now there's another economic principle called sunk cost. So what's that you ask? Well, I'll tell you. It's money that is being spent and not recovered. So basically, if it's left in my account, I've already spent it and anything that I get back as a refund is like a reinvestment. So for example, if I buy a top, it's like 60 bucks. I go return it because the sizing's not right or it doesn't look cute. Then the refund is $60 and whatever I buy with that money is free. The last one is perspective costs. So the definition of that is a future cost that may be avoided if action is taken now. So if I buy a coat or if I want a coat, it's 60% off during the summer, which means I avoid the future cost of waiting until winter to when it's full price. Girl math. I've seen a few TikToks about girl maths where guys have been reacting to girl maths and I can see from their perspective, it is a very unique, illogical, mathematical reasoning. But I don't think women should be shamed for their shopping habits. Like we work hard for our money. That's why we go to work every day. And if we want to make ourselves feel good and treat ourselves, then when we shouldn't feel shamed for that. And I feel like if Women spend a lot of money on a handbag. Maybe it's a designer handbag because you've been working your butt off for however many years and you finally landed that job that you really wanted, you were striving for. It was on your vision board. You got there. You should treat yourself and you shouldn't feel bad about how you spend your money. But if a man buys, I don't know, a really expensive Hubler um, <laughs> watch and it doesn't seem as rich or show showy offy or like materialistic, even though it's the same concept. Because how much is that watch? Okay, let's look it up. Watches. Oh my God. People are just, I'm going to put my phone on. Do not disturb because she's booked. She's busy. She's filming up. She's recording a podcast. Okay. Hubler. Charles Hubler. Men's watches. Okay, they're not as expensive as I thought. Okay, lol. Watches men Australia. Maybe it's like in American dollars. Australia. Okay, yeah, that's expensive. It's about, okay, I found tag watches, three grand. What about Rolexes? Rolex, Rolex, 
watches men. Okay, that's crazy. That's 12 grand. Okay, anyway, do you see what I mean? And men certainly don't feel ashamed or like guilty about showing off the $1,000 watches they, they buy, but women are made to feel bad about spending the same amount of money on a bag. And I just don't think that's fair. There is nothing that women can spend money on that seems to be right, but there's nothing a man that spends money on can seem to be wrong. Make that make sense to me. I also noticed that like the videos around girl math are meant to be fun and funny. They're meant to poke fun at the way that women spend money and of course reinforce these like misogynistic stereotypes when they're consumed without proper context. Like they are there for a laugh and they make me laugh. And that's why I enjoy watching them because I was like, yes, go girl. Like I just love the logical thinking. Illogical? Logical or illogical? I don't know. It's logical to us girlies, but it's illogical to the widest spread men. <laughs> they don't understand why they're trying to justify their purchases. In saying that, when does girl math become an actual problem? Because on one hand, I totally get that you take the time to make your money so you can spend it however you want. I understand that's totally your prerogative, but does girl math just tend to reflect women's pent up guilt around their purchases? Or is girl math a stamp of approval on accruing long-term debt in exchange for short-term satisfaction? Well, let me tell you, I've looked into a few things because I was curious into the reasons why some women overspend and why budgets don't work. And here are a couple of reasons what I found to be the case. The first one is called conformity bias. And I remember this from when I was studying psych social psychology in my undergrad at uni. And it's basically when people tend to compare themselves to others and they judge how appropriate their actions should be. Okay, for example, I'm going to use Taylor Swift as an example because I am a secret Swifty. I don't know if it's that secret anymore, but I would listen to her and I wouldn't tell anyone that I'm listening to her. And then I found out at work that there were other girls listening to Taylor Swift and I was like, okay. And then in my head, I'm like, should I go to her concert? Like the Eras concert seemed to be the concert of this century, basically. Century? Is that a bit of a stretch? I don't know. And so I thought, oh, I don't want to miss out on this concert because I think it's going to be really good. Like she's playing all of her albums there. She's doing multiple outfit changes. It looks amazing. I don't know if I have anyone to go with me. So I was going to use my boyfriend as my backup because that's kind of what he is at this point when it comes to concerts that I want to go to, but I don't know my friends are necessarily into. Anyway, I find out everyone at work is also really into Taylor Swift. And I was like, okay, should I just go? And I almost feel like that was a conformity bias because I wanted, I felt like it was socially acceptable to do something, even though she's like a massive pop star, right? But among my friend group, and I was like, is it okay that I'm into Taylor Swift? Like I'm 30 years old. Is it too old to be into T-Swizzle at this point? I'm not sure. But knowing that my friends at work were also going, I was like, okay, I can go. And that's how I ended up spending 370 
$9 or whatever it was. It was potentially going to be $2,000 because I was like, oh, I think it was 900. 900 was our limit, I remember. And I was like, okay. And because we spent less than that, obviously it was a bargain. I think it's natural kind of wanting to be, wanting to fit in with your friends and avoid being the left one out. And our natural instincts of humans is, especially with like social media pressure, um, that can amplify. And I definitely felt that like watching all these TikToks and like everyone going to Taylor Swift. And I was like, I'm definitely going to miss out if I don't go. It's an experience. Is she going to do a documentary movie thing about it? Probably. And it is coming out October 13, but I'm still going to go anyway. Hashtag not sponsored, but totally wish I was. I think it's this idea of wanting to go back to our primal instincts and fitting in with the pack can foster a feeling of safety and security. So maybe that's why I sometimes we tend to overspend. I mean, I was willing to fork out $900. I didn't, but I was considering and I was definitely going to do it, but I didn't. So I was like, when I read that and I was like, wow, I'm definitely easily susceptible to spending a lot more money than I initially anticipated or was in my budget. Like if I had a budget to only spend 10% of my monthly income, that is not the same price as a Taylor Swift ticket. Like I just, it wouldn't be in my budget. And also I remember her tickets, like we weren't sure of when exactly her tickets were going to come out. So it would be hard to like justify and foresee that and put that in my budget. So yeah, conformity bias. It's a real thing, girls. But like, what can we do about this? Is there anything that we can do? I don't think necessarily cutting all ties off with your friends and sitting at home is necessarily a solution. But having friends doesn't necessarily mean that you will automatically spend more money. I think that like if you have friends with shared values and maybe have similar goals to you, i.e. saving money to buy a house, then the ability to resist urges and overspending and giving into temptations when you're together is a lot easier. But if you're with friends that maybe aren't in the same, I don't know, season in your life, like saving money to buy a house because maybe they've already got one. Um, lucky them, good on them. It might be a little bit more difficult. I also researched and found if you're feeling low and depressed, you may lack motivation to manage your finances. It might not feel worth trying, i.e. retail therapy. Okay, as if we haven't all been there, as if uh, we haven't all been... <laughs> I was trying to quote clueless if you didn't get it. We haven't felt lower depressed and therefore felt like I'm going to treat myself and go some, I'm going to go shopping and like these new sneaks, these new Nike dunks are like going to do it for me and make me feel less bad about myself. Totally get it. But this might be another reason why it's difficult for us to stick to our budget and not overspend. Ooh, I thought this was a really good one. Number three, compensation for childhood deprivation. So when I grew up, we weren't like poor, but we weren't like super well off either. And my mum wouldn't buy me. Well, I wouldn't ask for it either. I wouldn't ask for like super designer, not designer, because like I would have been like, what, 12. But like back in Newcastle, to be it, to be like 
in the cool crowd at, at school, what was cool was like surfer brands. Not that I surfed, but we were like in Newcastle. It's very much like beachy vibes there, especially like in Newcastle in the city. I mean, we don't call it the city, we call it town, but like in the central of Newcastle, there's lots of beaches there. It's very surfy. It's very relaxed vibe. So I don't know about you guys, but at my high school and even primary school, the cool brands to wear were all like Roxy, Billabong, Rusty. Rusty was like, okay, those type of brands, you were really cool if you had them. And I remember when I first started getting my, when I got my first job, which was like a swim instructor at the pool, I was like, wow, I have money so I can buy all the things that my, I was too I guess ashamed or too scared to ask my parents to buy me. So then I started buying like Nike stuff, Adidas stuff. I couldn't afford like designer stuff, but I feel like the adult version of me is still living out my childhood dream, which is like to buy all this designer stuff. And I feel like if you felt like you were deprived of these things as a child, when you become an adult, you start treating yourselves as a like a default strategy and it happens time and time again. And the problem is that we can't change the past or what we missed out on, but using these external solutions like overspending money to obtain these designer things is not helping your bank account. And it's like going down that path of giving our wounded child the things that we never had. And maybe in response to that, it's time to ask ourselves, am I truly healing by buying myself these material things? Or do I really need to heal my childhood deprivation? And wow, this actually felt like a therapy session right now. I guess understanding our past relationship with money can really take a step in figuring out what we had and didn't have. It might help us to understand and heal our current relationship with money. That was deep. I did not think it was going to get that deep, but there you go. Ooh, numbers. Okay, the next one, I don't even know what number we're on. Is it four? Maybe five? Anyway, next one is holiday mode. Now, if you've been following me on my Instagram, last week I went to Melbourne and I was in holiday mode and we stayed at the Grand Hyatt. It was amazing. I would definitely recommend you guys becoming a member because it's free and I just have the best time. Like I love going to really luxe restaurants and stuff like that because I, the service and the atmosphere really builds to the whole experience of being in that place. And you really feel a difference between spending a little or a lot of money. Now, because I was on holidays, I haven't been on holidays for like, I don't know, two years. And I wasn't in Melbourne for that long. I was only there for three and a half, maybe four days. I counted as a half day because I left Melbourne like, around lunchtime on a Sunday, but I was in the mood to spend money and it was because I was in holiday mode. And I think being on holiday gives you this license to relax physically, mentally, maybe even financially. And the thing about holiday is that you're on holiday from your real life. So you're not really thinking about rationalizing your finances, putting in a budget and you kind of tend to indulge a little bit more because when you're on holidays, you're like, oh my God, I don't have to work. I don't have to check about emails. Like I'm having this fabulous cocktail in a rooftop bar. I could go another cocktail and or your rationale about your finances goes out the window. And 
you should be able to indulge on a holiday, but you should intentionally plan how much you're, you want to spend on your holiday and maybe having taking out some money in cash before you go might limit how much you actually spend. For me, unfortunately, I didn't like I was devastated because I couldn't find anything that I loved. Like I went into a lot. I did a lot of shopping. I didn't do a lot of buying and I was very, very upset by that. I ended up buying the only thing I ended up buying besides like food and drinks were two books. I know I bought books instead of clothes and jewelry and makeup and skincare, which is very unlike me. But that I was like, if I can't find stuff that I really want, I'm not going to spend money on it. And I thought, I don't know why, but I had this revelation during the holidays that I was like, I'm going to be a book girly. So that's why I bought books out of literally everything and anything that was there. Okay, so now we've talked about a few reasons. There's so many, by the way. We've only talked about a few reasons why we can tend to overspend and not budget and when girl math tends to be a problem. But here are a few things that I found that you can maybe apply to wanting to purchase something rather than having to resort to girl maths. Am I just saying other ways to justify your purchases? Probably, but we'll see. Okay, so number one, check in on your finances before and after a big purchase. So when it comes to making a really big purchase, Take a minute, check in with your finances, determine how this purchase will affect your finances and impact your savings and spending for the month. So when you're thinking of buying those Apple AirPod Max Pros, is this something I really can afford right now? And listen to your gut. If it's telling you it's a bad idea, right? Um, It's probably because it is. Did I mean to Olivia Rodrigo reference when I'm talking about Taylor Swift that much? Look, listen, I'm not going to take sides. I listen to them both. I'm very, like, I listen to what the young girlie is listening to these days. Why am I saying girlie so much? I think it's because I'm talking about girl maths. Anyway, if you want to buy something and you don't feel good about it, like sometimes, you know, when you, you want to buy something really expensive, but you have like a pit at the bottom of your stomach because you know it's not a good idea, then you shouldn't buy it because sometimes like, If you buy something that's very expensive and then you feel guilty or bad about it later, that anxiety can can amplify. So we don't want to be doing those things. Another thing is like if you know you're going to make a big purchase ahead of time, you shouldn't wait to start planning for it. You should start planning for it ASAP and you can work it into your budget. Find out how much the splurge will run you down, crunch the numbers and see if there's any way you can make it work. If the purchase is important to you, try reworking your budget accordingly beforehand and afterwards try to reduce and hit your finances. Okay, i.e. I bought this Mac Air, I think it's like M2 in the midnight color. I'm still not sure about the color, but my Apple Air Pro Air Air Max's Pro things, my headphones will will match it. So it'll be fine. But (laughs) anyway, when I was thinking of getting this laptop, I've thought about, I'm not kidding. I've thought about getting these laptop for like three years. And when I thought I would fork out a couple of thousand dollars to buy a new laptop, I was like, can I really justify spending X amount of dollars on a new laptop? My current laptop's working fine. Fast forward a few months ago, my laptop was being a bit slow. It was overheating a lot. I needed to use it for work. I wanted to take it to meetings, but it was just too big and bulky. 
and it was very heavy. It was hard to take with me because I, I don't know, have to go out to start a lot. I don't want to carry a really large, heavy laptop, but I know I'm more efficient with my laptop. It took me a while, but I did plan for it in advance. And when I felt comfortable with the big purchase, that's when I did it. I didn't do it straight away. It wasn't like a irrational, spare of the moment type spending. So I think in some circumstances, it's good to plan ahead if you know you're going to splurge on something and try to work that into your budget. Don't be irresponsible with your spending um, because I know I like I would just feel anxiety about it later and feel guilt about later by buying something that was very expensive, but not having the funds for it right at that time. Number two, decide where you want to put your money. So a lot of people tend to overspend because they don't know what they're saving for or where they want to put their money. So without a plan, money gets sucked up by daily spending. So determine what holds the most value to it. Is it buying a house? Are you traveling overseas? Are you buying concert tickets? And start consciously putting your money into whatever aligns with your values and goals. This will help you better plan for big purchases and advance and inadvertently save more. So I noticed that I was spending a lot of money on coffee, a lot. And I love coffee. I love the taste of it. I love how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I'm productive. I don't know if I really am more productive because I have coffee, but I realized I spent, I was spending like at least, at least $50, $50, $60 a week. And I was like, this is just not okay. So I tried using the coffee machine at work. I didn't like the beans. So I was like, you know what I do like? My coffee machine at home. So I brought, I was so extra, was, I am, I am so extra. I bought my own coffee machine into work. I have my own office, so it's fine. I set it up. I have like a little cute tea mug set. It's pink. It's a little cute mug and the sorcerer is all pink. It kind of looks like a flower. It's very much a vibe. It's my, very much my morning routine when I get into work. Other ways I've saved money because I want to save for other things is making my own lunches and taking them to work. I haven't been like a full five days making my lunch or taking it into work, but I am definitely, last week I was definitely better. I think I only three out of the five days I took lunch from home. That's pretty good for me because before that, a few weeks before that, it was like five out of five days I was buying lunch at work. And sometimes like I wasn't really feeling like anything in particular. I was just buying something because I was hungry and I needed to buy I needed to buy something for lunch. But now I've been more conscious about saving money. So I've I've been bringing my lunch in. I want to, you know, buy a car or buy a house. So to do that, I've got to plan in advance to make these big purchases more achievable. Cutting out small purchases really do add up, but hate to break it to you, TikTok, girl maths, like anything less than $5 isn't actually free. If you do spend it every day, it does add up. If you want to be able to splurge without stressing, then cutting out small purchases such as $5 coffees, banana breads, croissants with ham and cheese, those muffins in the morning. Ooh, my mouth is drooling 
not only will save you money, but also having more money to spend when it actually comes time to making those large purchases. So cutting out the small purchases do really make a difference. I think another thing is also being able to reward yourself accordingly. So you might have a big or small win. Both should be celebrated, but the key is to know when a reward is warranted, i.e. when it is or isn't worth it. Surviving a particularly grueling week would call for girl dinner, girl dinner, or like grabbing drinks with friends, whereas getting a promotion, graduating, and so on would call for a weekend getaway, a new bag, whatever big treat your heart desires. How can you tell the difference? Well, the biggest key difference is to determine whether something is a big milestone, like Is this a goal that you've been working steadily towards? Is it something that deserves a bigger celebration? On the other hand, if it's a small win, take your time to acknowledge it, but maybe order in some takeout from your favorite place and move on. Doesn't mean you need to buy a designer handbag to make it through a tough week. Learning to reward yourself accordingly is going to the extra mile when it comes to your finances. And the last thing is take the time to plan it out. So we've talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but slowing down and making more time to make a purchase is better by adopting an attitude of challenging your purchases before you buy with questions like, why am I really purchasing this? Do I really need it? Or if I didn't buy this now, would I still need it tomorrow? Now, I'm not saying that you don't go shopping. It's part of our psyche as women. I think that sometimes it's a social aspect, which is very important to us. Like you can go out for brunch with your girlfriends and then go out for shopping afterwards. They're the best kinds of people to shop with. And I think that's all well and good. It's just a matter of making sure that you plan it out first. How much money can you realistically spend and take the cash out, leave the credit card at home, do whatever works for you. And you should also be prepared to say no. Like I remember sometimes I have this one friend they always go shopping with. And whenever I'm with her, I will spend a lot of money and we'll buy the same tops because we kind of talk ourselves into it. We definitely girl maths together, but sometimes it's okay to say no to purchasing something and be prepared to say no. I think like also having the mentality like, And thinking ahead that it's okay not to buy everything and don't feel pressured to feel like you have to, especially if if you feel for some reason the sales assistant is judging you for like spending a lot of time with them, but then you don't end up making the purchasing, fully committing to those pair of jeans or whatever it is. It's okay to say no. It's much better to say no than starting to feel stressed and anxious about it later. And sometimes I know with some stores, you can't exactly refund it and you might have like a credit, store credit, which is not the same thing. To conclude, I think as women, we can talk about our spending. I think we should feel okay about talking about what we spend our money on without apologizing for it. If you can afford it and it brings you joy, there is no reason to feel ashamed. But I also think there are times when it's not reasonable or it makes sense to spend that amount of money on a time where you should be saving. And also you shouldn't feel like pressured to spend 
money when you're not comfortable, if you have other priorities you should be working towards, then justifying spending money using girl maths is not what we should be doing. Anyway, until next time, I'll talk to you guys. Bye.